whole goal of the co-op is to harness the the spirit and the benefits of a district, uh, but yet still remaining, you know, independent departments. Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, premier, professional, and proactive, brought to you by the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association. I'm your host, Clayton O'Brien, and I'm the fire chief from the city of Napoleon, and I'm an active member of the association. I currently sit on the executive board for the Ohio Fire Chiefs Foundation, and I became an association fellow in 2021 as part of class number 10. The Ohio Fire Chiefs Association exists to improve the safety of Ohio by leading, representing, educating, and supporting Ohio emergency services. This podcast is not only for the members of the association, but also for any other fire and emergency service leaders. It is the purpose of the association to promote education, best practices, and study ways and means to cope with the ever-increasing need for a better understanding of the complex problems which are being presented to the fire protection and emergency services of our nation today. I'm joined by my co-host and my assistant chief, Joel Fry. Thanks, Clayton. Hello, I'm Joel Fry, Assistant Fire Chief for Napoleon Fire and Rescue. I am a current member of the OFCA, and I currently sit on the Education Committee. I am happy to be here, striving to advance the fire service as a whole. Welcome to episode number seven. We have uh, Chief Josh Hartberger with us today and also Chief Doug Meyer. We get to talk all about the co-op that they created up in the White House and Waterville area. So super excited because um, one thing that's really, really special about uh, about these two is that I had the opportunity of nominating them for the Innovation Award for the uh, found, through the foundation for the conference this year. And uh, both of these gentlemen were the recipients of that, which got them to the conference uh, for all week. Uh, part of that was they had to deliver the, um, you know, a presentation there at the conference. And so what we're going to do here today with the podcast is just really kind of talk about all those things that you talked about at the conference. But we want to be able to share it with all of our listeners about all the advantages, all the uh, disadvantages, all the challenges that you guys went through, all those different things um, that you guys experienced along the way, because I know that it was not an easy road. And I know it wasn't, um, you know, and it's it's still just very in its infant stages. So uh, let's just start off doing some introductions. So we'll start off with uh, Josh, if you want to just kind of give us a little bit of introduction, maybe what got you into wanting to do this co-op um, and how it kind of was uh, dreamt up, and then we'll we'll move over to you. Okay, Doug? Well, thank you, and again, thanks for having us here. This is uh, uh, exciting and uh, very humbled for uh, receiving that award and, and the nomination. Obviously, you and I have been uh, uh, close friends for a very long time, so I've known Clayton for a very long time, and again, I can't tell you enough uh, how appreciative we are and um, it's, it's a, it's an experience. It's, it's, it's an experience. That's how I can sum it up. But, um, uh, so the co-op was really, really born. Uh, it's, it started more with a conversation about, uh, staffing struggles. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of a, a, a buzzword everybody is used to and hears nowadays. Cause I don't know if there's a single department that isn't experiencing some level of, uh, staffing issues. So, it kind of began with a brainstorm session, and uh, it, it was more involved with the idea of a creation of a district in the beginning. Uh, well, as we get into this, and uh, the listeners will hear, uh, that didn't pan out, so we knew we had to come back to the table because the challenges and the struggles were still there. So 
That's how it began. Well, I remember, Josh, I remember way back, uh, you know, as you said, we've, we've, we've known each other for a long time. So there's been a lot of times we have conversations on the telephone, uh, bouncing things off each other. When you first mentioned co-op, like I had never heard about it before, ever. Never even heard about the idea. Always heard about fire districts, but never heard about a co-op. So, um, and I think that might be the same across the state, which is why I think it's like, you know, the next best greatest thing, you know, um, you, you did describe the difference between a co-op and a district one time to me. And what was that terminology that you use? How, how did you describe what the difference is? So autonomy, you know, you know, with the co-op, uh, our departments are still autonomous and obviously we have, uh, chiefs for each department. Uh, but the whole goal of the co-op is to harness the, the spirit and the benefits of a district uh, but yet still remaining, you know, independent departments, but obviously working to build the bridge uh, if and, you know, anything would ever need to go um, a different way. We've at least started to work together in that capacity. Yeah, and I really liked uh, that, you know, you had said a perfect example of this would be is a co-op is like dating, and a district is like being married. So I'm like, wow, that is like a perfect analogy of what that really means. Like, you know, maybe eventually it's sometimes every co-op does turn into a district, but it's essentially you're just dating in the beginning before you're actually marrying. So I, I mean, I think that that's a perfect example. Correct. Correct. And that was, uh, that was an interesting conversation early on. Well, it was actually after um, we kind of knew the district wasn't going to uh, be a reality. There was a meeting with uh some elected officials, and then obviously the chiefs, and and that was kind of popped into the head, and we said that's a perfect example of what this is because you know what it it may not work out. We think it's going to work out. We know we're committed to one another, but just like in a marriage, you have challenges, you have struggles that you have to get through, and your commitment has to be to one another. And that's it is a perfect sum up of exactly what this is. <laughs> we're in the dating phase now. <laughs> you are in the dating phase, and what and, and so what's super important about that, I think, to really highlight here is that it takes two strong-willed individuals willing to work together, open themselves up, be vulnerable, and be trusting of each other because this doesn't work without both of you. So. So, um, you know, I, obviously I've known you, Josh, for a long time. I've gotten to know Doug over the years a lot and, um, and learned a lot about you. And, uh, and I think we first met in an instructor class, the live 1403 class, and you were the, uh, deputy chief in Waterville before becoming chief. And so, um, why don't you just give us a little introduction, but then I want to just kind of touch base on, um, on how you and Josh really grew together, uh, before this was even dreamt up, because I feel like we just got to talk about all these things of a relationship that has to be built first before you guys get to open session meetings and before you guys really talk about dating because that stage right there, I say, is what my son says is the talking stage. So you guys, <laughs> you guys were just talking and then built up to where now you guys are actually dating. And then if it ever does, you know, come to light that you guys actually get married, then that's one thing. But I'm saying in the talking stage, I know it takes two uh, individuals very much uh, uh, to trust each other, uh, to believe in one each other, and to be always open because you just never know, as we all know in the world of fire chiefs and even in the fire services whole type a personalities politics everything else and if that bond between you two kind of isn't really really strong could have really challenged a lot of this thing you know and could have Absolutely. maybe changed it so uh why don't you give us a little introduction doug and we'll get into it too sure um i'm doug meyer chief of waterville um and yes clayton i, I first met you in a 1403 class uh when the uh, state in the you know, came out with that requirement. Uh, I think we were one of the first in, in Lucas County to put a class on, and 
we're in it together. Um, kind of growing to get to know you through that and, and through knowing Chief Hartberger, we have that mutual connection. Um, but uh, part of the co-op, when I worked with uh, Chief Hartbarger and understanding our relationship there, obviously we went to high school together, so we knew each other through school. Kind of always had that little, yep, we know each other. Um, but then in the professional side of things, even when I was deputy chief, getting to use him uh, as a mentor and a leader and then eventually getting to work with him as counterparts was a huge piece. Um, we really got to know each other, had a lot of sit-down conversations, as you said, that talking phase, um, getting the idea of trusting each other and, and knowing that uh, we're out there to build a better community, uh, not to necessarily harm each other, but take and make the community better. Uh, once we got got that settled the re the rest went real smooth um but yeah we, we had a lot of conversations and i will say there were a lot of phone conversations there were some late nights <laughs> uh, i bet there, there was even and, and again you know to stress that everything isn't sunshine and roses i mean conversations weren't always peachy conversations sometimes were hard but mm -hmm. uh, i think part of what made us a, a unique uh situation was that when we took a hard conversation we were able to to talk all the way through the end of it. And even if we had to take a break, you know, because of, you know, hours or whatever, you know, the evening, we, we would start up in the next day and continue on that conversation to work till we got it resolved instead of just giving up on it. So that, that was a huge thing. But maybe taking a break or whatever yeah. and coming back to it because yeah. I feel like naturally we would um, get upset at times and be like really do – you you question the trust at sometimes and you you question like how how true is everybody to it because like i said you're challenged with the politics out there and then some people are going to be very for it some people are not but we're not talking about just two individuals and we're not talking about just you know politicians out in your communities we're talking about how many people do you have on your staff josh we were uh, just shy of 60 now just shy of 60 and, and you doug we were at about 35 yeah and so you know you're talking just just shy of 100 people that this involves and that, or that it affects i should say and if that affects uh, more than all just about 100 people there's obviously a hundred different uh, types of opinions and then um you know communication from you two back to your staff has to be the exact same because otherwise that's where it gets a little hairy. And then Absolutely. also the communication has to be strong up top. So um, I can say that because I've known you guys now since and mostly Josh all the way through this process that um, that that was uh, something that I thought you guys did very, very well at. You guys really, really trusted each other through the process and then leaned on one another um, because your relationship wasn't built of what I call like a glass house. Like, you know, you guys weren't yes yeah. man to each other. You guys could have uh, candid conversations that were, um, you know, back and forth. And if you didn't like what the other person said, that's okay. But we respected each other and your relationships didn't break down to it. Because I really feel like that was uh, would have been a, a, a hard challenge for anybody. And what really the audience needs to understand, if they ever decided or wanted to do a co-op, the talking face has to be built on really solid trust and working relationships before you can ever start dating. Absolutely. Yeah, fear, fear is a big uh, fear is a big aspect. And, and when we get into this, uh, one of the slides we talk about, that, that's the first hurdle to get over is fear. Uh, and part of that talking phase is just understanding that there's nothing to fear from each other. Um, the, the fear is just the growth of the future is, I guess, more sh more sure where people should focus. Yeah. And I think that was, again, you know, kind of back to why why it was dating is, you know, we had those hard, hard discussions. And I mean, sometimes they were, you know, we'd be honest, you know, we're human. They were arguments. 
And and what I love about uh, Doug and, and and a lot of credit that I'm going to give to him is he, you know he reflects. So you know a lot a lot of I, I think it's extremely important when you're in big uh, big situations like this um, if you if you have a perception of um, you know the situation being able to go home and reflect and take in what the other person said and and just be open and objective and say do I need to change my mind do I need to change my point. And, you know, he, he actually, through this process, was able to change, you know, my, my point on, on quite a few situations within it and open my eyes to something that, that I was a little blind to see and, and vice versa. And that's, I think that, that is, again, why it does seem like dating, because that's exactly what it is. When you're getting to know the person, uh, understand, you know, what their beliefs are, what their character is, um, you know, it's extremely important. And that, I give him credit because uh, character is the number one thing, and that was the commitment to one another is that, uh, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna walk away and go to bed angry. We're gonna talk about it before we uh, <laughs> before we go home, which is really good. Now, when when the co-op was first dreamt about uh, or, or thought about, did it only include Waterville and White House or Waterville because it's it's Waterville, Waterville Township, White House? Like, did it only include those individuals or those that sector initially? Yeah, at that stage, it was to the point of where we were the three remaining uh, entities that were interested in collaborating together. Uh, because, you know, in the, in the very beginning uh, uh, district study, we actually had the Ohio Fire Chiefs come out and uh, Stan Crosley, brilliant man, uh, came and did a uh, feasibility study for us with his team. Um, and in the beginning, it was actually, uh, there was discussions with the other entities that were around us, which would have been Monclova and Providence Fire. Yep. Um, but obviously, you know, as, as time went on, uh, when we kind of started to really hone down um, through the feasibility study, uh, those two entities decided that that wasn't an option for them at that time. You know, they weren't interested in moving forward with that, which, which was okay. So that's why we proceeded forward with the feasibility study with Waterville, uh, Waterville Township and White House. And, and don't forget, sometimes situations are different across the board. So just because those other two entities at that time weren't interested, there, there were things that helped drive that, right? So... You know, Monclova wasn't experiencing uh, a true staff shortage yet. Providence didn't have the drive from the citizens to want to raise a levy um, and, and weren't necessarily totally hurting all the way yet either. Um, so, you know, they didn't look at it as that was the right time for them. So everybody kind of has a different uh, approach to things, but this was something that we thought would work for our three communities and, you know, really believed in it. Yeah, absolutely. And then it, so it, it hit off pretty well with both your, uh, you know, village administrators and city administrators right away or mayors and things of that. Or So this is where I'm going to give uh, my administration, uh, J- Jordan Doherty, uh, my village administrator was uh, instrumental in just a phenomenal uh, influence into saying, think outside the box. Um, because, you know, sometimes as, as firefighters, we, uh, we get we get comfortable in our area that we are because of of how sometimes how different the day can be for us. Uh, so it's it is a little challenging to say, all right, time out. If I could rebuild this from ground zero, what would I do? Uh, so he was he was instrumental in in allowing that creative freedom to really um, to harness, and that even came with uh, some interesting arguments with my <laughs> my village <laughs> administrator, uh, our mayor at the time, also extremely supportive and. And our council as well. They understood. You know, it took about two years. Um, I I I uh, took over from Chief McNutt in 2016, and uh, it was that July. Uh, myself and Deputy Chief Francis. Um, you know, we we didn't we we were on for 31 days because we just had a shortage of people. Now we weren't hurting like some of the other communities around, but that was kind of that eye-opening experience to say, yeah, what we're doing isn't working right now. So we need to really 
uh, look at this, tear it apart, and say, what direction do we need to go? And that was kind of the beginning for me when I knew that, yeah, we got a problem. And that was all the way back in 2016. So it took two years to communicate that to uh, to council, uh, to mayor. And then also you have to communicate it in a way that doesn't uh, present, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling. Because at that time it wasn't. It was a bad July when that happened. Um, but it, it picked back up and it was, I would say, balance out uh, towards the end of that summer. Uh, so, again, we didn't want to scare anybody. We didn't want to use fear tactics. We just wanted to educate. You know, it was all about educating our elected officials and uh, very grateful to have uh, the people we had in, in place at that time because they were so supportive of understanding and not um, uh, not not going to maybe like uh, uh, step C when we, we were really at step A or step one, you know, so. And, and Waterville was the same way. So our administration uh, looked at the um, – ramifications of every uh, piece of the pie. So they, they, you know, said, well, if we're not doing a district, why not? So they were trying to diagnose that as well, um, kind of challenging us to show them that this was the right avenue to go. Um, but once we um, explained it in terms that they could understand, um, not so much fire lingo, um, it made things smoother. We have a public safety committee that bought into it, which really helped uh, with our administrator who then supported all of it all the way through, very supportive, um, made sure we've uh, gotten through every th- every hurdle. Uh, Waterville's gotten through every hurdle pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, and, and the co-op, you know, was very well supported by the citizens as well. Josh Hartberger is the fire chief of the White House Fire Department. He was promoted in 2016 after having been with the White House Fire Department for 15 years. He is a nationally registered paramedic, firefighter level two, instructor, and inspector. In 2005, Josh graduated from Owens Community College with an associate's degree in liberal arts with a concentration on government. Upon graduation, Josh served the National Science Foundation as a fire lieutenant at a station in Antarctica. While there, he oversaw a base fire inspections, including the Scott South Pole Station. In 2015, Josh graduated from Bowling Green State University with a bachelor's degree in fire administration. He is currently pursuing his master's of public health at The Ohio University. Josh lives in White House, Ohio with his lovely wife, Nicole, and his daughters, Josie and Valerie. His passion is leadership through creative change and innovation. So with that being said, you said that there were some organizations that didn't want to join on. Is that something that they could potentially join in at a later date? Yeah. So, uh, you know, once we get into the discussion of how, you know, the co-op is formed, it is it it is open ended. Uh, So uh, other entities can choose to to join or again, you know, should we decide at the end of 10 years that this is not a benefit? uh, We do have a conclusion to it. But, you know, again, uh, I don't think we're going to see that. I think uh, the collaboration is, is going to prove itself uh, regardless of what that means for the future. Well, then let's get into it. So you um, – One the, point, if I yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he said something that was uh, perfect and spot on, and I think it's important to note that there is a language barrier and a disconnect with individuals that understand the fire service and individuals that are not in the fire service. Uh, so an example, uh, my administrator, it took about two years to get him to where he was comfortable understanding what shift rotation is, 
uh, what state requirements are, you know, what ORC, o OAC that we have to follow. Uh, so I think it is important for anybody that is, is looking at any type of this change. I can't say it enough, and I've heard it before. Uh, education for your elected officials and for your administration is key. Okay, so um, let's get into it. Uh, starting with that first slide that I see here um, is the one with um, the pledge. And uh, it's just got two containers on the on the slide. Uh, just tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so uh, I, I put this in there initially um, as a way to try to jokingly frustrate uh, Chief Hartbarger. Describe, but, but describe one, what it but is. One bottle is a bottle of lemon pledge, so it smells lemony fresh. The other is a bottle of orange pledge, which gives you the orange scent. So there was there was a long uh, standing joke that uh, I was through this co-op and district that I would end up being his janitorial service person, and I wanted to know <laughs> would he rather uh, have lemon or pledge. So, or, or orange pledge yeah. for his office when I dusted it. So, uh, <laughs> and, and I think we can emphasize that was your. So that would have been a little bit of that fear. No, that, that was that fear, was. you was. know, like that's what I was talking about. Like, you know, a little bit of fear that had to have the trust and saying yep. that Doug is now feeling like he's going to be dusting Josh's office. Yeah. And so how did you get through it? So the way we got through that, I, I initially was joking with him, joking with him. And he, he and again, remember how we talked about that conversation, right? He looked at me one day, and he and he had said, he's like, all right, listen, for this to work, we have to stop. He's like, I get that it's a joke and, and everything, but you're you're building a, you know, something that isn't true. He's like, we got to quit. He's like, what's your fear? You know, and, and I explained to him, well, the fear was that they would be headquarters and that, that there wouldn't be a mutual thing, that it would be more of a takeover is what that fear was. Um, once him and I had that conversation and I stopped the joking and we got through the fear of, okay, he's not taking us over. We're mutually coming to solve a problem. I only put this in there and if, and, and the people can't see it, but I wrote in the middle of it because I want you to lose it today. Cause every time after we had that conversation, I'd bring it up. It, it would, I think it I was think a way to get his goat. That was probably one of our, one of our tougher spots in our relationship, but it ended. Uh, and I think this is where it's important. Again, just like dating, you got to fight. Yeah. You, you know, you have to. You have to be respectful of one another. You have to push through it, and you have to get those fears out. And once I heard that, of course, I don't feel great about that because I'm like, man, you know, I, I look at him as an equal, you know, mm -hmm. and, and never would I want him to feel as if, you know, he would be below or, or someone is superior than the other because that's not collaboration. That's not a partnership. So what did you tell him? Did you tell him orange or lemon? So I, I wouldn't answer <laughs> so, so that's the joke is I wouldn't answer him. I, I wouldn't. And no, I, he I never think, did. He never I, did answer it, ever. And it wasn't until the very end when the documents were signed and I looked at him and I think I said orange. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very, the very final time. But that was, a, you know, that was a fear. Yeah. And, and I think the only way to combat that was, um, you know, even back when we first start with the the district I, that is a fear of a lot of people is who's in charge yep and it's like well, well wait a second before we before we can even get there and again that's where I love this guy because he's willing to take stuff and reflect and not let that that inner stuff just build up and then manifest later you know we, we were able to pound through that to say look um I I was willing at that point in my career to say if 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 the right decision for the village of White House is to go into a district and it doesn't include me I'm willing to support that because that's the, ultimately we know that our fire departments have to provide the service for our citizens, regardless, you know, regardless of what happens anywhere else, we have a service that we have to provide. And if our current level isn't meeting that, that expectation of what the citizens deserve and we have to move to another direction and that means it doesn't include me, 
I'm okay with that as long as the village of White House was taken care of in the manner that they need to be taken care of. And that was, you know, that was a good discussion and that then, we had. And, yeah, the end of that, I reflected as well and thought, okay, it's spot on. I have to do what's right for the citizens of Waterville. And I can tell you, and, I, and I'll say this candidly, Waterville, when I was interim chief, dropped 60, what, five calls to you, I think, 65 unanswered calls where no Waterville unit responded. That's unacceptable, um, and it was something that I knew I needed to fix. And obviously this was our way of getting past that. But I also said, you know what, if you look at the, the citizens as a whole, uh, there may not be, you know, if the end solution is that there may not be an administrative chief for Waterville, but Waterville's fire department grows, gets stronger, the citizens get those answered calls, people get the help that they need, then what am I worried about at that point? I really, in my opinion, I've done my job. You know, they always say leave the service better than you started. So if you're moving out but things are better, didn't you really do your job Absolutely. at that point? And I, and I really Amen. think that that's what's huge, too. I mean, to be able to actually open both of you to open up that way and saying, hey, the mission or what we're doing it for, we're not doing it for personal gain. You're not doing it for, you know, financial or personal gain of any sort. It's doing it for the betterment of what we all signed up for in the first place, and that was for the citizens of both your communities at the time. And so by both your communities at the time, though, also requires so much of the services and requires so much money, you know, and in Absolutely. order for the more people in the pot, the cheaper it is for everybody and the better service that's provided. So um, I, I, I see exactly why and how that co-op was created and why I think it's the coolest thing ever um, that you guys were able to get through it. So who really brought up the original idea? Uh, so Bob Evans? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it was after the feasibility study, they did a, a um, community-wide presentation at the high school. Um and again, Stan's team did a phenomenal job. So no way, shape, or form on them on why this wasn't successful. Because I mean, the product that they uh, that they did for us was instrumental in actually kind of how this uh, um, came to fruition. Uh, but after that meeting, we could tell. You know, I, I look at this. I'm no expert, but I look at this in three categories. You have, in order for a district to be feasible. You have to have uh, the political support, you have to have the citizen support, and then you have to have the department culture ready to accept it. Um, and at that time, we had the political support, I think, to do it, possibly. I, I think Not that 100%. was close, but yeah. We had the political support to do it, uh, but we lacked a lot of the, uh, the community support as well as there was a lot of questions within the department. Uh, so ultimately, we knew at the end of that meeting, I, you and I were out in the parking lot and uh, you know, we were having a discussion of we kind of knew that that idea was done at that point. Put a fork in it, as you know, it's done. So, <clears throat> you know, we we really we knew that we still had to push forward because the challenges still existed. You know, even without this, it was kind of like it was almost not saying that I wanted to go in that direction, but it was disappointing because we had a we had a potential solution that may have worked, um, and now we were starting back at ground zero. So I think that was kind of that disappointment or or you know failure of that end. And again, for good reason, because obviously if it's not supported, it's not going to work anyways. So that's when we said, well, looks like we're going to breakfast. And so we went to breakfast, we did. Uh, met up at Bob Evans the next day, literally pulled out a napkin and said, what do we like about the district? Let's, let's you and I talk pros and cons now. And that's what we did for about an hour and 45 minutes of building a pros and cons list and then actually saying, well, how can we make this work without even forming a district? And thus the co-op, you know, was born. Um, and, and, and I look at it. We called it co-op because they're like, what, what the heck are we going to call this thing? You know, yeah. I, 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 that was the discussion. I'm like, you know what? 
it's a cooperative. We're working together. It's a cooperative. We're going to call it the co-op. That's how we coined it. And it was like. I was going to say coining it was crucial. Uh, you know, you always talk about selling things and, and making people understand. Remember how I talked earlier about the fire lingo, making people understand how it's going to work, right? So, you know, a district, they understand a district. School districts, they understand those things, right? But we're going to create something that wasn't a district, but we're also not going to remain 100, 100% uh, on our own. We're going to work together, right? Well, you don't want to go out there and say, oh, we're working together. So we had to coin a good phrase, and, and that was where Chief Harbarger came up with the co-op, cooperative agreement. And I, I was like, yeah, we, we got something going. Uh, and then naming it the W3, obviously, you know, Waterville, Waterville Township, and White House, you got the three W's and, you know, BW3's already, you know, <laughs> big, so we had to come up with something different, you know. Um, but that's that's where it came from was literally that morning that we said we are going to fix the problem. We both agreed that there's no way around it. We are fixing the problem. Uh, what that 100% looked like, we weren't sure, but we were going to try something and give it everything that we had. So, And then we just kind of worked together and smoothed over some details. Yep. Brought the uh, the deputy chiefs in, uh, Jason Francis and Zach Bainham. And I think, you know, that that's important. When we're laying out a vision – you know, again, that that buy-in, you know, we, we have to look at that five-year, 10-year mark and what's sustainable. Um, and sometimes, you know, I remember being in, in the line position, even as a lieutenant, it's difficult to, to look outside of the one-year mark. So um, it was important we had, you know, collaboration with them as well because we needed it. You know, we needed to make sure that this new vision that literally was uh, thought of in less than 24 hours is, is going to be sustainable and work. Um, and that actually, I think, got the momentum going when we all kind of sat down again as a group and said, okay, what can work, what can't? There was a lot of ideas in there we knew were like, ooh, ooh we're, we're going to have some trouble here and we're going to have to sort through these. But it was cool because, you know, we had already been through so many of those hurdles, it, it just kind of felt natural to say, okay, how can we get beyond it? And that's, that's where that talking phase that you, you know, spoke of, you know, really came key. Uh, because we did look at the hurdles and went, oh, my gosh, what, how – but then – when you sit down to the table, we look at each other and we're like, well, this ain't as bad as it was when we were arguing about lemon and orange pledge. So, I mean, yeah. we, once we, you know, started weighing that thing out, we're like, all right, this isn't as bad. I mean, yeah, it's a big hurdle, but we, we, can get we, through we it. got through it. There was a few nights we ordered some pizza and had a training room with whiteboards all around there. And it would have looked like we were a kindergarten class with scribbles all over the board, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it worked. We we're like, all right, well, let's just continue to keep putting different ideas up here and link them. You know, yep. okay, this was, you know, race it. It's gone. So it, it worked out real nice. And, and I think another thing that uh, was huge uh, was keeping uh, the communication even. So at the yep. time, I didn't have a way to do mass communication at Waterville. Um, Everything was done through memos. We'd put it in mailboxes. We had to wait to get things out on training nights. Um, I, we have a way now, but at that time we didn't. He had a uh, – Chief Hartberger uh, had a way to do mass communication. So he could get things out way quicker. But what that – what we noticed was when his communication would go out, it's accurate for sure, 100%. It was what we want to communicate. But his people were getting it two and three days before mine. Mine were then accusing us of hiding things. So what we did was Chief Harbarg and I started literally waiting and saying, okay, what day, what time are we putting this out? And he would hold something, so I would hold. Our firefighters started getting it at the same time, same information, same time. And it started to bring the two groups of line firefighters started to come together because yep. then when they had questions, they'd bounce them off each other. Yep. 
Yep. And I think I think that's that's huge to point is the staff that you know, or at each department, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, I, I can't, we're, I'm blessed as a chief to have the people that I do, uh, because we, you know, we don't, it's just, it's, it's an awesome environment to be able to have people want to proactively come up and say, chief, I, I got a question about this. Cause I, I don't know what this means. And, and that fear comes up and being able to have that conversation and get reality and get factual information to them before uh, the telephone uh, kind of thing starts is huge. And, and that was, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, identifying that we got to get them. It's only fair that they have the information at the same time. You have to do that. Doug Myers is the fire chief for the city of Waterville Fire Department. He was promoted to chief in 2020 after having served on the fire department for 20 years. Chief Meyer holds EMT Basic, Fire 2, Fire Inspector, Fire Instructor, and Life Fire Instructor. Currently serving as the Lucas County Fire Chief's President and attending Bowling Green State University for his Bachelor's in Fire Administration. Prior to the fire service, he served in the military as the 180th Fighter Wing and the 178th Fighter Wing as an F-16 mechanic. Served three tours in the Middle East and is now a veteran. Doug lives in Waterville with his amazing wife, Amber, five children, Isaac, Alexis, Natalie, Xavier, and Dominic. Current passion is leadership and working to better the culture in the fire service. Well, I think the communication would have probably been the, one of the challenges throughout the entire process, uh, just because of exactly what you talked about. You know, as a challenge, you guys addressed it very quickly. You were able to then turn on it and make sure that your people got it and brought them together. Um, because, you know, if we don't communicate, I always like to say, you know, just being transparent all the time. Because if you're, if you're not communicating, we all know, we were all there at one point being the firefighters on the line. When we sat around the kitchen table, we solved all the world's problems. And Absolutely. most of the time, Absolutely. it wasn't exactly. <laughs> the way that it was supposed to be. So um, that's why I, I, I'm kind of like that same way. Like, let's just, let's get the information out there. Let's put it to them and let's talk to them on the Bay floor. Let's talk to them wherever we need to do because they need to be, they need to be empowered. They need to be bought into this for this all to work. So yep. that was one of the challenges. Let's get into uh, the list of your other challenges that you have there and just kind of like talk about some of those other things that, um, that you had, you know, throughout the, throughout the process. Yeah, you know, when we when we were starting to talk about the co-op, you know, we, we said, let's pair up and see what, what are our current challenges that we have. And, and of course, you know, for White House, we had we, we are blessed to still have a awesome, dedicated uh, volunteer group. Uh, however, I think just as anyone will notice, as the state fire marshal is even, you know, and the governor have put together this task force, everyone gets it that the numbers are declining. And, and what why that is, why we we don't know exactly, but we just know that they're declining. So we know that we have to stabilize and supplement in that way. Uh, so um, another thing that White House was experiencing at that time, we had a smaller uh, part-time workforce. And we knew that if our numbers of volunteers are declining, then inevitably our deployment model, which uh, at that time when I took over in 2016 was a complete uh, volunteer deployment model. Um, so we knew that we had to change and, and kind of you know, move a little bit more into that staff situation, but then also letting the volunteers know, hey, this is not pushing you out. We actually need you now more than ever, uh, but we have to, you know, get that uh, initial deployment out with people sitting in the station. Um, and then at that time, you know, we had, uh, and, and still do have a contract with Lucas County. Uh, the county has a ALS system uh, that is 
comprised of 11 life squads that are dispatched to primarily ALS incidents throughout the county that will assist with the first responders. Um, so that was where a lot of my full-time staffing came from. I have, you know, I at that time had nine paramedics that were uh, rotation on the life squad. So I could utilize one of those paramedics if they were not uh, off or, you know, sick time off or vacation time off. That was what I really had with one other part-time person in place for a uh, EMS deployment at that time. Yeah, so Waterville kind of experienced some of the same things. We were a little, uh, I guess if you would say, ahead of White House. Uh, you know, our declining volunteers hit a lot harder, a lot quicker. Our run volume was really increasing in the area with growth, and, and so that was shrinking very quickly, very rapidly. In fact, I'm down to, I believe, I have five volunteers, and of those five, three are active um, our part-time list was shrinking due to, at that time, uh, open positions on major metropolitan departments, and we didn't have full-time at the time, so there was no promotion. You know, again, as we're going through this slide, you know, this was, this was kind of that point, again, where the, the district idea we know was done. We now have this new vision of, of a co-op that we think can work, and it's getting, it's getting our elected officials on board now, because remember, they were on board with, uh, or most of them, I should say, not all of them, but... Uh, most of them were on board with the, the feasibility of a district. Well, we're not doing that, so now how do we re-energize? So uh, we had to uh, put a lot of time and effort into re-educating our uh, elected officials into why we still want to have some type of partnership together. Um, and that came, that actually is where the dating phase kind of came out because we had a group meeting um, and there were a few that were very still interested in going with the district. And that was kind of where that came out. And I said, well, doesn't it make sense to date before we get married? And there was a lot of <laughs> chuckles in that room when that happened. And, and, and even my mayor kind of looks over at me. He's kind of like, you know, this is, this is a, the, 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 the tie event, you know, when you're sitting down. But at, at that point, we knew I, I got to risk it all. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to break the ice. We got to risk it all. So we said that. And I, th I think that was kind of the turning point with the elected officials where we knew we had the buy-in with them to still want to proceed forward in collaboration uh, so the W3 committee was created at that time. It was just still the, uh, the individuals that were working with the feasibility study at first, but now we kind of got put into another project. All right, let's move forward with this. Now, when you talked, when you talked about that and you, you talked about, Hey, would it be better to date before we got married in that meeting? So who was all in that meeting and how did you guys form that meeting or uh, what, Walk us through that. So that was a regroup meeting from, um, again, right after we knew that the, the district idea was kind of done. Uh, that was, hey, let's sit down and let's let's get back into this. So we had some elected officials in there, the administrators, and then uh, the chiefs as well. Okay. And then that way is just kind of break. Now we're now you say, hey, now we're done talking. Now we're going to start dating, and this will be where we're going to be moving because now the district is done. Get it in your mind of the co-op and then kind of see how they buy it and then to kind of move on from there. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And, and we had passed out the information to them prior to that, so they kind of knew what we were thinking co-op. And, again, I, th I think that was another realization – in that meeting that it's like, even as much as we've been talking about this now for a year, there's still some that, that, that barrier exists of being able to, you know, really digest what does it mean for staffing in the fire service? So, so what's next steps then? After you have that meeting, you, you talk to them, you know, what's the next steps? So after that, we uh, sat down, started running numbers, got with the auditor to find out what it would cost. Um, we decided what we needed to do was strengthen mutual aid, we needed to uh, figure out how to help each other with funding, and then we had to figure out how we were going to run each department, again, with uh, communications and different things uh, going through. So um, 
we kind of made that combination. That was the co-op, and, and Harbarger and I sat down and said, okay, how do we present this in non-firelingual terms? We've come up with a couple of charts to help put things in perspective. We came up with a funding model, which was a levy uh, that each community could put on, um, and, and knowing that the funding stays with that community, but it was an equal levy across all three communities that would still work. So each community was still getting taxed the same way, Uh they get control of their money, but yet it was a way to strengthen the fire department's funding. Which I think is one of the biggest questions and probably what a lot of the other chiefs have, right? Because that's what our mind goes to right away. Like, co-op, we want to do all these big, great things, but we know somebody's got to pay for it. How do we pay for it? You talked about funding. You talked about a levy at three different ones. So you got a levy in Waterville, a, a levy in Waterville Township, and a levy in White House. And all three of those were separate levies, but the exact same amounts, right? Correct, yeah. So in the beginning, White House did not have, uh, we were actually just general fund uh, appropriated. Uh, so, so yeah, same thing with Waterville. So um, Waterville Township was the only uh, entity that was in this that had existing fire levies, and they did it via uh, contractual obligation to both uh, Village of White House and City of Waterville. Uh, so, you know, we, we had to come up with that idea. It's like, well, in the, in the feasibility study, they said, uh, we have, um, I, I believe that number was, uh, it was upper sixes. Or six, seven six, uh, 6.7 something, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was uh, where we lost some of the community support. So we sure. said, no, you know, that's huge because, you know, yeah. we, we have a phenomenal uh, school system uh, in, in our communities. And, you know, obviously there's a lot that is committed to, uh, to, you know, fund that right now. So we knew that we had to come up with an idea that was bare bones but not lean. So that, you know, that was where we thought, okay, if, if 3.25 is achievable, and at that time when we were going through stuff, that was even on the higher end of achievable for us, uh, we said, well, with that and the, still the contribution from the general fund, we're at about that, you know, six to seven mils kind of uh, area that makes it feasible to put staffing on to where we need it to be. So the, so the idea was then, so each place is going to run a levy, but the general funds from Waterville and White House are still going to remain the same. Correct. So if you're, uh, whatever that number is, they're still going to be giving to the fire department. And then this would be all additional money. A Correct. supplement, yes. And okay. the same, same with Waterville Township. So the two existing levies that they had were older, and they were supplemented some by the state. Those were also remained. Okay. So this this was uh, the three point two five wasn't to start over. So, you know, with the district when they came up with that six point seven, that was as if you had no funding. Uh, the district that was the district funding. So the idea was that if, was no supplement from the city correct, general funds correct, type of thing. Correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. that would have been just funded on its own. Yep. But the citizens obviously would be paying that higher amount. So mm -hmm. we were able to bring the amount down using some of these existing funding and keeping it unified across the board. So three different levies, all the same amount. What happens when one doesn't pass? Let's say, let's say one of your entities didn't pass that levy at the 3.25. Are they just out of the co-op or are they, how, how does that so, work? So that, that was the big question. Uh, and, and it came up actually initially once we understood exactly what we were doing with the co-op, once we had political support, of course, what do you think our next step is? We got to take this to the legal team and say, well, how can we place this together, you know, to make this make sense? And I remember that first meeting, I, I'm going to give Gary Summers a plug from, uh, Heben's, uh, even Summers and Lee Wendowski, I'm sorry, <laughs> even Murphy and Lee Wendowski, Kent Murphy's going to be mad at me for that one. Uh, but uh, anyways, Gary, uh, known as Handsome Gary, so if uh, anyone wants his contact information, he's known as Handsome Gary. I remember that first meeting, we sat down, and uh, I, I, I did the pitch to him. It was a soft pitch, and uh, he, he laughed at me. 
and, and Gary is, he, he's a brilliant man and he's, he's very respectable. So, and we have a great relationship. So uh, prior to this, but when he laughed, I looked at him, I said, what, what don't, what don't you understand about this? He's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, why wouldn't you just do a district? And he starts pulling up uh, ORC and code and everything and starts laying it out. And uh, uh, Jordan Doherty, my administrator was with me when he does that. And I'm like, Gary, stop. And he kind of stops and he looks at me. I said, don't you remember the first part of my pitch where I said our communities aren't ready for that? And he's like, yeah, I do, but this makes sense legally. And I said, you know, it was like, well, okay, it makes sense legally, but it ain't going to happen. So how about we actually focus on now what Chief Meyer and I put together? And, and what I love about Gary is Gary reflects too. He's like, all right, I'm going I'm to spend some time on this, but I'm going to come back to you with I don't know how we're going to do this other than the other. And it was, it was awesome that it was like 24 hours later. Again, it's like these 24-hour marks keep coming up. I get this call from, from uh, Gary Summers, and he's like, I get it. He's like, I understand now why. And, and like, he has been, ever since that, that turning point, he's actually been one of our strongest cheerleaders in this because he was able to take this idea and put it now in, in a contractual means that makes sense for everybody. And, and again, the, the guy is just awesome. Uh, he's committed. He's actually used our template uh, to tie to other areas uh, within safety services, but to other communities to try to help, you know, pair things together that just don't make sense to form full-on mergers. Thank you for listening to the Triple P Podcast. This is part one of a two-part series with Chief Doug Myers and Chief Josh Hartberger. Tune in next month for part two. Thank you for tuning in to the Triple P Podcast, premier, professional, and proactive, brought to you by the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you feel so inclined, Please help us spread the word by telling your fire and EMS friends about this channel. Chief O'Brien has been serving the fire and EMS community since 2005 with the support from his wife, Bobby, son, Ashton, and daughter, Aislinn. Chief O'Brien began as a volunteer and worked his way up to the rank of fire chief in 2015. He began his full-time career with the city of Faustoria in 2008 and moved to the city of Napoleon in 2009, where he has been a fire chief since 2015. Chief O'Brien is a progressive servant leader. He is committed to improving the fire service through developing young men and women into becoming leaders in the fire service. You will often hear Chief O'Brien ask his staff and others he encounters in the profession, what are you doing today to make the fire service better than it was yesterday? He's extremely passionate about training in all disciplines and is enormously proud of bringing a state-of-the-art training facility to the city of Napoleon. Chief O'Brien holds an associate's degree in fire science and a bachelor's degree in business administration. He is a nationally registered paramedic, firefighter two, fire inspector, hazmat technician, and fire EMS, ACLS, and PALS, as well as a CPR instructor. Chief O'Brien is an active member with the Henry County Fire Chiefs, Northwest Ohio Chiefs, the Ohio Fire Chiefs, and the International Association of Fire Chiefs. He participates weekly with the Napoleon Rotary Club, sits on the Substance Misuse and Community Partnerships Committees, and is on the Executive Board for the LEPC. Joel Fry is the Assistant Fire Chief for Napoleon Fire and Rescue in the City of Napoleon, Ohio. He has been in the Fire Service for 13 years. Joel has obtained an Associate's Degree in Fire Science and a Bachelor's Degree in Fire Administration. Joel is a Nationally Certified Paramedic, Firefighter II, Fire Instructor, EMSCE Instructor, CPR Instructor, Hazmat Technician, and Fire Safety Inspector. 
Joel heads up the Prevention, Public Education Division, and works to create strong relationships throughout the community in which he serves. Joel has a wonderful wife, Katie, and four young boys at home. He is a member of the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association, the OFCA Education Committee, Northwest Ohio Fire Chiefs Association, the Northwest Ohio Fire Prevention Association, the Henry County Fire Chiefs Association, and the treasurer of the Henry County Firemen's Association Training Commission.